I, uh, <clears throat> I really love that song because it just so magnifies our Savior. It's, it's not about philosophy. It's not about this religion or that religion because there's only one Savior. There's only one Jesus who died for our sin and He came to break the power of darkness. He came to break the strongholds that are over our life. And it just so magnifies him that just what a wonderful Savior he is. I think sometimes we just kind of take it for granted just all that he's done for us and all that that was accomplished through his death and resurrection on the cross. And if his death and resurrection on the cross wasn't enough, he came back 40 days later and the Holy Spirit moved and lived into our hearts so that he is forever with us, just like Lisa was saying, that scripture out of Proverbs, that wherever we walk, whether it's in the shadow of the valley of death or whether it's in the the green valleys, wherever we walk, Jesus is always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us because he lives within us. The power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us because of what he did. No other religion offers that. No other philosophy offers that. It's Jesus. He gave that to us. So what a wonderful Savior we have. Why don't we just go before the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you. We thank you so much, God. We can't, we can't say enough, Lord. What, what can we bring, Lord? We, there's nothing that we can do. There's no, nothing that we can say. There's nothing that... Is, is enough to make up for the debt that you've paid for us, Lord. So just like that song said, you ask us to come to the altar, to forsake sin, to forsake our lives, Lord, and to take up the cross and follow you, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we get into your word this morning, Lord, that you will open up our ears and our eyes into what it is that the Spirit wants to say to us this morning. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. You are the one sent by God to glorify Jesus, glorify Him in our hearts and in our spirits. We set aside every weight, we set aside every hindrance, God, and we we choose to run after You, Lord, with everything, God. Lord, You've called us out of sin, You've called us out of shame, You've called us out of darkness and into Your wonderful light. God, let us be people of the light, let us be people of the daytime, Lord. Lord, you forgive us and you wash us clean of all of our sins, Lord, past, present, and future, God. So we come now boldly before the throne of grace, Lord. We thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to um, continue on here in our study of Second Peter. Um, we don't have slides this morning. Uh, I, I'm kind of analog. Blake uses iPads and technology, and I hate it. <laughs> I'm old school. So I made sure that there were plenty of Bibles out, so if you guys don't have an app or anything like that, you can always follow along in your Bible. And for the one person on YouTube, you can follow along in your Bible as well. So, um, But sometimes it's good, right? It's good just to open it up and just to kind of familiarize ourselves where Second Peter is. It's Old Testament, New Testament. Um, yeah, so we're just going to continue on in that study. Um, and this is kind of a, an interesting 
uh, turn of events here, because when we go back to, excuse me, we're going to be in chapter 2, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 10. And if we kind of summarize last week, uh, where Blake left off in verse 21, he said, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what Peter is saying here is that this book is not a bunch of fairy tales and fables, no matter what anybody might tell you. Moses didn't sit down and write the Torah from something in his mind. As these guys were sitting down, or anybody in the scriptures for that matter, as they were sitting down, the Holy Spirit was actually speaking to them and through them so that as they were being spoken to, um, the Holy Spirit was giving them these scriptures to, to write down. So it's, they're not myths, they're not fables. It's, it's the, the un, undisputed word of God that is true, that is living, because it was penned by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't penned by men. It was given to men for us, for our benefit, by the Holy Spirit. And so as we go on to chapter 2 here, um, he's kind of taking a, a different turn on, on what he was previously talking about in chapter 1. Here now he's addressing false prophets and he's addressing false teachers. Because as we all know, wherever there's true, there's always going to be false. Ever since the creation of the world, the devil has always been trying to distort the word of God, right? That's what he did in the garden. You know, God said, do not eat from that tree. What did the devil say? Go eat from that tree. God is holding from you. He was, he was already speaking lies. He was already trying to twist the truth. And he wasn't like coming out and just completely distorting. It was just enough just to, to get them to sin, to get them to do exactly what he wanted. And so we need to be aware of that as we, as we walk out into our lives and as there's plenty of stuff on the internet, social media, we need to be aware that not everything that is out there is true. Not everything that has the name of Jesus plastered on it is true. That just like there was back in the garden and throughout the history of the Old Testament, there were false prophets and false teachers. So now the same is for today. That there are false teachers and there are false prophets even today. And that we need to be able to know that. We need to be able to recognize that. <laughs> because if the devil can't... If we give our lives to Jesus, the, we are covered in the blood. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so what the devil tries to do is come along and try to deceive us, try to twist things around so that we can't fulfill what God has called us to. We end up believing lies. We end up believing false truths because following Jesus is not always pleasant. Just because we give our lives to Christ doesn't mean like, well, you know, all your troubles are gone now. Um, you're following Jesus, so you're not going to have any problems in life. And that's just simply not true. And so we have to be able to arm ourselves with the mindset that we are going to suffer, that we are going to have tribulations. But we also need to arm ourselves with the mindset that this word is truth. And that this word actually confronts our sin. It confronts our mindsets. It confronts anything, basically, as I think it was Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that exalts, that the, exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We have strongholds in our life. We have sin in our life. And all of that stuff needs to be confronted so that we can begin to bear the fruit that God has called us to bear. 
And so what false teachers and false prophets, what the purposes they try to do is they don't want us to bear that fruit. So they use deception, they use trickery, they, they twist God's word around just enough so that, so that we, can't, we can't follow in the way that Jesus has called us to. So let's go ahead and um, read through this. Everybody got a Bible? All right. Or an app or something. <laughs> My digital people up there. Um, verse 1, he says, But false prophets also rose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. Because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the day of judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the righteousness under punish, unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling, defiling passion and despise authority. Whew. So let's back up there. I'm going to kind of break it down in between like verses 1 and 3 and then 4 through 10. Um, and I do have other scriptures that I kind of wanted to, uh, to address as well. So kind of keep your finger in Second Peter because we're going to be kind of going back and forth a little bit. So he does say there, uh, verse 1, he says, False prophets rose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them. And many will follow their sensuality in the way of them. Because of them, the truth will be blasphemy. Um, again, here he's addressing the fact that, yes, that there are going to be false teachers. There are going to be false prophets. Um, even Jesus said that there are going to be many coming along saying that they are the Messiah, that they are the Christ. Do not believe them. Um, and especially as we approach the, the, the return of the Lord Jesus, I believe that that pressure is going to be more and more uh, applied, that there's going to be more uh, deception that's going on out there. And so he says that they will be among you. I think that we always think of false teachers and false religions as being outside of the church, but, but Peter is warning that, no, they will actually be among you. They're not going to be um, in another country, in another, another religion, that they are going to be actually Christians, people who call on the name of Jesus. He says they are even denying the master who brought them. But false teachers don't always deny him in the sense that they're not going to use the name Jesus. They'll use the name Jesus, but they will deny his lordship because they don't want anybody, they want to have the lordship for themselves. They don't want to point to the good shepherd, they want to be the shepherd. 
They don't want to follow the shepherd because they have their own ideas, their own motives, their own conceptions of how they think that they should do things, and they're going to follow their own hearts and their own passions, and they're not going to be following Jesus. So just because a church says that we're Christian, just because there's, there's something that has the name of Jesus on it, we need to be careful. We need to understand and try to figure out you know, what it is that they're preaching about, what it is that they're talking about. Because just because they invoke the name of Jesus does not necessarily mean that they are true. It doesn't mean that they're false, but it doesn't mean that they're true. Uh, the Bible says that we need to test everything. We need to test every spirit. We need to test every word to see if it lines up and if it matches the word of God. Because God is never going to contradict his word. Whatever you hear out there, th this, is, this is the truth that we stand on. This is the foundation that we stand on, the word that was given to the apostles and the prophets that has been canonized into what we call the Bible nowadays. He will never contradict his word. He will always confirm it. And he goes on to say that many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemy. So this is not just a couple of people. This isn't just a handful of pocket of people. You know, we look at cults and we look at different religions. Um, we have them right here in Clearwater. That, that think that just because it's a handful of people, that it's not going to affect everything. But he's saying that there's actually going to be many people. You know, the Bible, and Jesus even warned that, that, that broad is the way of destruction and narrow is the road that leads to life. And so that can happen even within the context of a church, even within the context of, of Christianity and, and, and our faith. He says, And in their greed they will exploit you with the false words, and their condemnation long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And so what happens, it, I, I was reminded of the story of Aaron. Right? What happened with Aaron? Moses went up to the mountain and the people were like, well, we don't know what's going on with Moses. He's been gone all this time. Is he coming back? Did God kill him? Like, like what's going on here? And so what did they, they want? Make us a god. And so Aaron gathered up the gold, and they fashioned a calf made out of gold, and they worshipped that. And they called that their god, the one that rescued them, the one that brought them out of Egypt. Aaron gave in to the fear of man. He was afraid of what the people were going to think. He was afraid of the people, are they going to riot? Like, what's going on? I need to control this situation, so I'm going to give them what they want. And false teachers and false prophets run in the same path as Aaron did. They give people what they want to hear. As I was saying earlier, that this is the word of God. Sometimes we're going to hear things that we don't like to hear, but it's for our benefit. You know, who likes to hear that they're a sinner? Who likes to hear that that you're broken and that you're messed up. Like, nobody, nobody wants to hear that stuff. You know, that, doesn't, that message doesn't sell. You know, what does sell? Oh, come to give your life to Jesus and, and you'll have everything that you want. Come give your life to Jesus and, and you'll be rich. Come give your life to Jesus and you can have anything that you want, anything that you ask for, the, the sky's the limit. You know, go take that message to, to China. Go take that message to Africa and see, see how far you get with that. 
Because false teachers, at least within that part of the world, aren't teaching prosperity gospel because it's not going to sell. It sells here in America because why not? All I have to do is say a prayer and I'm in the club. And I have all these benefits that come along with it so I can just have whatever I want. That's false. It's not the truth. It's not the truth at all. If it can't be preached in Africa, then it shouldn't be preached in America. If it wasn't popular in 1600, then it shouldn't be popular in 2023. God is unchangeable. He doesn't change. The message stays the same. And so sometimes I think pastors, ministries feel pressure to follow what the culture is doing. Trying to make it easier for us to come to Jesus, but in reality we're not coming to Jesus. We're, we're kind of placing false hopes in a false gospel. A gospel that doesn't save, but a gospel that won't bring me to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have to recognize, we have to bear the weight of that sin, that our sin is, is what is keeping us from Christ. It's what's keeping us from salvation. It's what's keeping us from eternal life. But we don't want people to feel bad about themselves. We want to feel, make them feel good about themselves, and they can still go ahead and do whatever they want. Turn to, um, like I said, just kind of keep your finger there in Second uh, Peter. I wanted to turn to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, <clears throat> verses 14. Starting in verse 14. And this, again, just more evidence that, that what Peter is saying here is not, not anything new, Right? The book of Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun, false teachings and false prophets, um, certainly nothing new. He said, but in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hand of the evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and the inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, says the Lord, host concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poison water drink. For the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. He's saying that the prophets are actually committing adultery. They're walking in lies. They're not speaking the truth. And the reason why judgment comes on so much for the false prophets is because of their lies, they actually strengthen the hand of the evildoers. But we're not doing anybody any good by just saying, say a prayer of repentance and come to Jesus. We're, we're, not, we're not benefiting anybody in that way. I think Peter actually says later on in the same chapter that it would have been better for them not to know the way than to actually have a false idea, a false representation of who God is and what Christ is actually like and what the message is. It would have been for them not to even know about Jesus at that point unless someone's going to come along and tell the truth. He goes on to say in verse 16, he says, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. 
filling you with vain hopes. They speak a vision of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the, the word of the Lord, it should be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. And here was Jeremiah, and this is the time just before the exile, preaching a gospel of repentance. Judgment is coming. There's going to be an army that's going to come in here. They're going to wipe out Judah. They're going to wipe out Israel. And you're going to be carried off into to Babylon, into exile. The temple's going to be destroyed. Everything that you've built is just going to be in, in ruins. It's going to be laid to waste. And this was a time, obviously, after the time of David and Solomon when Israel was living in prosperity. And so, alongside of what Jeremiah was saying, now these false prophets are coming along and saying, don't listen to that guy, he's wacky. Everything is great, everything's going well. You don't have to listen to him, God's not destroying this place, it's, it's going to be fine, don't worry about it. Doesn't that sound familiar? Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. God is a God of love. He loves everybody. He loves everything. He's, he's our hippie savior. No judgment is coming. There's not going to be a day where we're going to have to stand before Jesus and just give an account for the things that we've done because Jesus just loves everybody. Everybody's going to go to heaven. Now, that's not my message, but that is definitely out there a lot today. And because of that, people have a wrong idea of what it means to follow Jesus. We were just talking, like, come to the altar. The altar is a place where we go to die. The altar is a place where we go to lay ourselves down. Not that where we can go on continuing life and doing what I want to do and being Lord and Savior over my own life, but it's about surrendering and dying to self. Take up your cross and follow me. I've paid for you, you are mine. And because those words are hard to hear for a lot of people nowadays about laying ourselves down, laying down your dreams, laying down your entire life and giving it over to the Lord, people don't want to hear that. Just go on continuing what you're doing. The Lord will bless you and, and don't worry about it. It's false. Continuing down to verse 21, he said, I did not send these prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, and if they would have proclaimed the words to my people, they would have turned them from the evil way and from their evil deeds. If they just would have stood into the counsel and just learned to listen to the Lord, what is the Lord saying? And speaking that word faithfully. We are called to be ministers of the gospel, and we're supposed to present the entire counsel of God. Not cherry-picking what we like about God, not cherry-picking what we like about the gospel because it might offend, because people might take it the wrong way. Give them the whole counsel of God and let God handle it. When we start cherry-picking, when we start emphasizing certain attributes of God over other attributes of God, we get an unbalanced view. And when we have an unbalanced view of who God is, 
we mislead, we misinstruct, we give people the wrong idea of who God is. So now when they hear that, well, God is just. I don't think so. God's, God, God's a God of love. So continuing on, if we go back to Second Peter, he goes on to say in verse 4, For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the day of judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, He's, he's saying here that God takes his word seriously. You would think the angels who were, though not equal with God in any sense of this stretch of the imagination, but certainly are, are higher and more than we are, if God did not spare them but cast them out, What, what does that say about his judgment? Sin is sin. And he goes on to talk about Lot. But the Lord knows how to rescue the godly out of the ungodly. He's not unjust in his judgment. He didn't cast all of the angels out because a couple of sinned. He cast the ones out that were rebellious. He didn't destroy the entire world when, he, when the flood came. He, he preserved Noah and his family in the ark. He destroyed the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, but before he did that, he told Lot, he sent two angels to tell Lot, judgment's coming, get your family and get out of here, because I'm going to destroy the city, even though they... they um, uh, they, entered, they tried to intervene and, and beg God not to destroy the city. I think it was Abraham that did that. But God decided that enough was enough, and, and I'm coming with judgment. Lot, get your family and get out of here. So he knows how to the rescue the ungodly. But we have to know what he's saying. Like, what, what would have happened had Noah not built the ark? What would have happened had Lot not heeded to the voice of the Lord and not fled Sodom and Gomorrah? And there's plenty of other examples, but what would have happened had people not listened to actually what the Lord was saying? And to hear the voice of the Lord and to heed the voice of the Lord. Obedience is, is, is so key in our life as a Christian. But yet, again, because of false teachers, obedience just becomes like this thing, well, if you get around to being obedient, be obedient. But it could mean life or death. It could mean heaven or hell. And for those of us who are Christians, it could mean living a life fully within the Spirit or being a carnal Christian, continually struggling with sin, continually struggling with ungodliness and not knowing where you're going or what you're doing. We have to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. Jesus said himself, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. It is the right of every child of God to hear the voice and to know how the, the Lord is leading you. Every child has that right. When, he, when his spirit comes to live inside of you, 
your ears are turned on to what the voice of the Lord is saying. But are we listening? Do we even know when He is talking to us? How many times do we just say that, well, I need prayer about this or this direction that I'm going. Let's just pray about it, pray about it, pray about it, and then when the time comes, I'm just going to go ahead and, and go with my gut feelings. There's nothing in here about, about gut feelings and instinct. And as a matter of fact, I think it was in Jeremiah said that the heart is deceitful above all else. Don't trust it. Gut instincts and gut instincts and uh, nudges on the heart and I feel, I feel, I feel. You feel, but do you know? And I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to do. It really takes, it's, it's like any other relationship. It takes time to cultivate that. We treat God and, and Jesus as he's off, you know, somewhere off in the distance. He's right here. He's right here with us. The Lord wants to communicate to us. He's continually communicating to us, but are we hearing? He wants to be known. He wants to make himself known. He's not hiding from you. He's not hiding himself from you. He's not in the closet waiting for you to say, um, he's not saying, well, go ahead and get your life right and then come to me. No. Come before the throne of grace. Let him heal you. Come out of shame. Come out of darkness. I think sometimes, and I'm not saying this lightly, please don't misunderstand me, but I think sometimes we spend so much time dwelling on our past, dwelling on what we're doing, dwelling on where we're falling short, but we're taking our eyes off of Jesus. We're dwelling on who we are and what we are, but not allowing him to speak to us who we are. Does that make sense? I mean, look at Peter. Peter was a fisherman. You read through the Gospels, and he, he's all over the place, man. Jesus said, you are a rock. Petra, you are my rock. Like, like what did Jesus see in Peter? I, I wouldn't have seen Peter as a rock reading the Gospels. He, he was like a little ADD five-year-old kid. But God saw it. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. So again, I think it's, I think sometimes that yes, we need to be on the lookout for false teachers, that we need to be aware that there are false teachings, um, their selfishness, their pride, their willingness to deceive people and bring destructive heresies into the church. But I think we also need to know the real deal. I, I scared him. <laughs> um, but we also need to know the real deal. You know, I think it was Blake that was telling me, um, I don't remember whether it was forged, forged checks or, or, or fake dollar bills. It's like, you don't, because there's so many out there, you don't train to know what the fake one looks like. You train to know what the real one looks like so that you can spot the false one. And so we need to learn how to, to spot the real one. We need to learn to hear from the voice of the Lord so that we can be protected. Just like how God 
built the ark for Noah. God told Noah to build the ark. We need to kind of build a life in Jesus that will keep us above and from the floodwinds of, of, of judgment. So I wanted to turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Um, He said, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, if you search it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. Where's our hunger? Where's our thirst after Jesus? Jesus said that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Not those who just want to learn something. I don't remember who the author was, but he said that God doesn't scratch an itchy itchy intellect, but he fills a hungry heart. Because what Solomon is conveying here, at least from what I'm reading, it's more than a quiet time. It's more than, you know, just let me spend my 10 minutes every morning reading the Bible or my once a week at church. He's saying, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, make your ear attentive to it. Listen for it. Are you hearing wisdom? Are you hearing it call out? Are you hearing the voice of the Lord? and incline your heart to understanding. See, a lot of us are hearing, and so we're we're getting the intellectual concept of what the Bible is trying to say to us, but it's not getting down here. You know, we walk with Christ after the Spirit, not after the flesh. And so whatever is up here, it has to begin to transfer down here. And that's what he means by inclining your heart to understanding. Seek to understand it. The Holy Spirit lives within you. If you don't understand a scripture, if there's something that's, Lord, show me what that means. What does it mean? Even just simple concepts, like like the fact that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within me, like meditate on that, chew on that. I don't read anywhere in scripture where it talks about devotional times or 10 minutes in the morning. I was rereading Psalm 119 this week, and, and it's like David was so passionate about the word of the Lord. It's my meditation. I think on it day and night. Even God said that to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart, but it shall meditate on it day and night. Thinking over it, meditating on it, getting it from up here to down here. If it's down here, it's easier to walk that out. Paul even said to the the church in Corinth that I didn't come to you with wise arguments. I didn't come trying to convince you to follow Jesus, but I came and my words were a power, excuse me, a demonstration of power that your hope might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. 
If someone can convince you to follow Jesus, they can, you can be convinced out of it. It's the power of God that keeps you. And he goes on to say in verse 3, he said, If you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, and search for it like a hidden treasure, nothing passive about that statement at all. It's, 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 I mean, if you lost a treasure or you lost a diamond or something like that, wouldn't you be like tearing your house apart to try to find it? What about the things that God is trying to say to you? And what about the things that he's trying to convey to you? Do you search his word? Do you search after him? Because it's not about memorizing scriptures. It's about a person. It's about cultivating that relationship with him. It takes effort. It takes, we have to make the time to do that. It just doesn't happen because I open a book and I read it for five minutes. Or because I come to church once a week and I hear, and I hear a message and I don't ever pursue anything in the week outside of that. I live off and I feed off of what I've heard on Sunday, and I don't make any other effort during the week. He says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find the knowledge of God. And this is how we protect ourselves from deception. This is how we protect ourselves from the false teaching, is by fearing the Lord. Well, what's the fear of the Lord? We just read it. Everybody always wants to know what the fear of the Lord is. Does that mean I'm supposed to be afraid of God, or, or what does that mean? We just read it. Start seeking Him each and every day. Seek Him as you would silver. Seek Him as you would a treasure. Don't read the Bible just to read the Bible, but this is the instruction manual to get to know a person. God is a person. He goes on to say in verse 6, um, which my wife already read, but I will reread it again. He said, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasurable to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the, e the way of the evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in evil and delight in perversiveness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious or who are devious in their ways. Do you want to not fall into deception? Fear the Lord. Do you want to know what, what God has for your life and where, where he's leading you? Fear the Lord. Gain wisdom. Gain understanding. Fall in love with Jesus. Meditate on those truths of his word. We don't need to bring the Bible with us everywhere we go. We can just remember a concept and just meditate on that. Let it sink in. Let it get in. <clears throat> and as he was saying there in verse 9, he says, The Lord knows how to rescue those out of, out of trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment 
especially those who indulge in the defilement of flesh and despise authority. He knows how to rescue you. Listen to him. He cares for us. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't forsake us or leave us, but he's with us all the time because his spirit lives on in us. But we need to cultivate that relationship. We need to... Amen. Why don't we pray? <laughs> Lord, we uh, we thank you so much. We thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. That that instructs us in righteousness, that instructs us in truth. We thank you, Lord, for your word that brings truth into our hearts, Lord. We thank you that it was not written by man, but that it was written by the Holy Spirit, God. We thank you for the warnings that you've given us, And I pray, Lord, that you will open up our eyes and our ears, Lord, that we may begin to hear from you, Lord. Lord, open up our eyes, Lord, so that we can see the deception that's out there, the false teachers that are out there, the false prophecies and prophets that are out there, God. Let us hold fast and tight to you, Lord, knowing that that you are the one who will carry us through all of this, God. We trust in you and we believe in you, Lord. You are the good shepherd, Lord. Father, we humble ourselves. We lay down our sin. We lay down our desires, our wants, our needs to follow you, Lord. Lord, we pick up that cross. We are heavy laden and burdened, God, and we pick up that cross, Lord. We follow and we walk after you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just give us the perseverance to go through the tough times, Lord, knowing that there is suffering ahead, even if we are following you, that there are trials ahead, that there is tribulation ahead that even in our devotional life towards you, God, that there's going to be truths that are going to be conveyed in your word that are going to be hard for us to hear it, God. He who has an ear, let the Spirit, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You're not here to condemn us, Lord. You're not here to make us feel bad, Lord, but you are here to make us more like you, Lord to change us from glory to glory to glory. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.